Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It'll be the third year in a row that I attempt to get my catchphrase yo-yo-yo going. Hasn't caught on yet, but still Hang good. I've got, a, I've got an Armstrong and Getty Show shirt that says yo-yo-yo, but again, it is just not caught on the way I was hoping. <laughs> um, I've been going back over my notes, uh, a lot of stuff that I took in and read over our two weeks off. I listened to the full autobiography of Miles Davis, the jazz trumpeter. Oh, intending to only do like the first half, but got so sucked into it, I ended up doing the whole thing. It's really pretty interesting. Well, I hadn't written, realized rather that he had written an autobiography. Yeah, and well, I listened to the audio version, and it's got an actor talking in his voice. And then, and then I met when I met Bird, I realized. And so I really added to the uh, the color oh. of the whole thing. I thought, that was yeah, really neat. Fantastic. And um, what, would you, I, what would you say is the main takeaway? The trumpet great, the jazz trumpet uh, legend. One of my takeaways uh, on um, those kind of. Uh, Things is that people that are really good at things put way more work into it than most people give credit for. There's a tendency to think that great basketball players, painters, trumpet players, whatever, were born with this special talent and I couldn't do that. That might very well be true. But they also worked way harder than you think. Mm -hmm. Like practicing he talks about Charlie Bird Parker, who would practice like 15 hours a day, even when he was already a legend around the world and great. Wow. And who's willing to do that? You're not. I'm not. Nope. Whether you got the talent or not. So, yeah, that that's one thing I take away. Here's another takeaway. That, that, and, and I found this true with a lot of um, people's lives, people that I admire for, for the output of whatever it was. I'm thinking of Christopher Hitchens, one of my favorite uh, pamphleteers, as he called himself, or Miles Davis, a trumpet player, or whatever. Athletes sometimes, in this case, oftentimes they're horrible spouses and parents. Mm. And that fits in part with the amount of time that they put in what they became great at. And and as a guy who, like, my entire life definition for the last dozen years has been being a parent. It's like the number one thing I think about and do every single day. And I and it's going to be that way for, for a long time to come. Um it's just, it just blows my mind the people that are willing to ignore raising their own children to play basketball or the trumpet or to go on talk shows and talk about politics. But that dedication to that is what made them great at it, I think. Do you know examples of people who were good parents but also really stand out excellent at some some other thing? No, I, yeah, I don't. I, I know there are. There has to be. Sure. It, you know, it depends on the field. It, it, being a basketball player, for instance, is a very different gig than being an actor. I mean, I'm thinking of, of a Tom Hanks type character who's a long time married, uh, a family man and a good man. I'm not sure how many hours a lot of those actors put into being actors. I could be wrong about that. Well, early on, I think you, you hone it. Um, you work really hard. A lot of them do. Um, but then you coast, please. You coast for years. Somebody asked Tom Hanks recently what his favorite movies were. He had no opinion nor gave zero poops about quality. It was all which ones he had the most fun making because he could bring his family with him and and hang out and play volleyball on the beach and, and, and golf and barbecue or whatever. So they meant a lot less to him than they meant to you. 
Yeah. Or the average person. Yeah, and yet he's still brilliant in his way. So, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's an interesting question. Everybody has to come up with their own formula. Miles Davis goes on and on and on about various relationships he had with a saxophone player, you know, and then 1959 and how they got along on this and not this and had conflict and, you know, paragraphs and paragraphs of that. Like, never mentions his kids until he gets toward the end of the book and he talks about what disappointments his kids were. Cause oh, boy. He, it, maybe they're disappointments because you were never around, you hey, freaking psst, loser as a parent. Miles. <laughs> and left him no money when he died. Uh, because they were such disappointments to him and such losers. They were losers because you didn't raise them, you a-hole. Wow, and I strong stuff. About, well, anyway, I just find that interesting. Do, yeah. To be excellent at something, is it almost given that you're a bad parent? Because being a parent, I'm sure you'll agree with this, is just a life-consuming, if you want to be a good one, is a life-consuming project. It's absolutely your top priority, yeah. Can you be... Excellent at something else and be a good parent. Yes, absolutely you can. You okay. absolutely can. I would tell you this. The personality type that's most likely to achieve super excellence is not going to be a great parent. Mm. But that's the personality type that's most likely to get there. And there we're talking are other like, groups of people who can do both. And I'm not just talking about being good at something because we're pretty good at this. And uh, I mean, like the very best of things, like a Michael Jordan or a Miles Davis or, right. a, you know, whatever. I, right. I think you're right. I think the personality that it type that it takes to be that excellent, does it doesn't fit with being a parent. You've got to be obsessed with it. Yeah. I mean, especially with 8 billion people on Earth. In the year 1200, when there was like 180,000 people around or whatever there was, there were probably millions and millions, but it was a lot easier to be like the best bowler <laughs> on Earth or best basketball player. He says, <laughs> completely ignoring the fact that those things didn't exist in the year 1100. <laughs> but I mean, especially now, I mean, hell, you, you got 330 million people in the United States. Yeah, you got to be incredibly obsessed to rise to the top. And most people not only don't want to uh, make that sort of commitment, they couldn't if they tried. Right. Because you have to actually be obsessed. Interesting. Um, a story that came out over the break, a scientist that created a rapid test to detect COVID weeks into the pandemic and why you still can't get that test. And the long and short of it was the FDA the CDC, the bureaucratic machine on how difficult it made it for the private sector to come up with, get approved and distribute any COVID tests. And it's why we still, still headed into our third year. You can't get a test very easily. Yeah. One of the most awesome forces in society. Awesome, not meaning that's awesome, but meaning filling you with awe or should, is mid-level bureaucrats. They are a more powerful force in society than virtually anything you can think of, particularly in a quote-unquote advanced society like ours with with mature institutions. Mid-level bureaucrats are a factor in every freaking thing that happens. We missed this story in the middle of the night. another, Another quick COVID story, real quick. We got a plumber coming over to replace a faucet. I have replaced many, many faucets in my life. I have done all of our plumbing except the super advanced stuff for a very long time. This one, you would have to be an octopus with tiny little tentacles or specialized tools to even access 
this faucet. There's so much crap under that sink, and it's a like a big farmhouse heavy sink and the rest of it. I'm like, okay, that's going to be eight hours of my time, or I can pay somebody who's got the tools. So anyway, but this guy just texted us. He was coming like in, in two hours. Judy just texted me. Um, he's got the vid. He just got a positive vid test. Oh, really? He says, I've just got the sniffles. Totally up to you, folks. I'm willing to come, but if you want to wait till next week, I've got like five more days I ought to quarantine because I got my test three, four days ago. And I hemmed and I hawed and I hawed and I hemmed and finally said, eh, we got the little utility sink in the kitchen. Let's just wait till next week. I suppose. I, yeah, I mean, he's going to be in the house for a few hours. I don't want a cold. I don't want the very small chance of anything going funky. And I don't want to have to cancel our dinner plans for the weekend. I don't want to have to cancel. It's all about logistics. Yep. I'm Not just thinking, the fear of the uh, disease. It's the... That's a teeny tiny factor, but teeny tiny. My son is uh, missed an entire week of school. Because he had a bad cough, he had a cold. And I now know that he doesn't have COVID because we finally got the result back from one of the real tests that you can trust. But it took three days and then another 24 hours to get the result of that. So missed an entire week of school for a cold, but that's just the what we've got in place now. Okay, so if Henry announced, Dad, can I go hang out in Joe's kitchen? And there was no compelling need for it. It's not like it was an emergency, I got to look after him thing or 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 whatever. It's just... He really likes my kitchen, and he wants to hang out in my kitchen for two and a half, three hours with a bad cough. I'm thinking I would probably say, can we do it next week? Well, you know, that's interesting you bring this up. I've heard people strike on this. Is this going to change the way we handle flus and colds? Because even though workplaces over recent years have encouraged you to stay home if you have a cold, nobody does. And what do you think in general of somebody who doesn't come to work because they have a cold? Come on. You're not going to come to work because you have a cold? Are we going to change our attitude on that to where we say, yeah, stay home. You've got a cold. I don't want to have a cold because a cold, the cold my son has got right here is worse than most people's COVID. Mm, Wow. Are we going to start staying home when we have a cold because of our newfound thinking of the way we spread these things in the past you'd run into people all the time you know you're wherever you might be at a restaurant you might be anywhere it's a, somebody sees a god bless you. yes sorry i got a cold that's driving me crazy and you just don't think anything of it you don't Not think really. oh my god why are you here with a cold no gonna, if, it, if it might be something more serious then you probably ought to stay home but um yeah so you, or, so you don't think we're going to change our attitude about colds because it doesn't really make any sense that we wouldn't I, mean, I wish COVID's... I had a long white beard, and I wish I could sit in lotus position, because if I could, I would say right now, yes, we will change for a while. Because colds son. suck. Colds suck, and they last a, a week and a half. For a while. I think it's possible in 10 months, the normal people of the world, and so that means in like 16 months, the media will have forgotten all about COVID and will be back to the way we used to live our lives almost entirely. Oh, really? I think it's entirely possible. Yeah. The next, the, uh, the, 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 what's the last, uh, alpha to omega? Uh, the last letter in the Greek alphabet. When the omega variant hits and it makes your eyes water for an hour, you know, and that's, that's like the only thing. It's incredibly transmissible, but it literally gives you kind of juicy eyes for an hour. 
<laughs> yeah, once we're to that stage of the endemic, nobody's going to give a crap, and we're going to live our lives exactly the way we did before in the same way, substantially. And if you want to get all picky about this, okay, but so, like post-9-11. Now that we're 20 years down the line, uh, please, I never right. think about it. Right. I mean, obviously, I'm aware of it, but I don't think about terrorism or the rest of it in the same way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, well, is this the end of humor, wrote the New York Times. Please, they ought to close their doors just forever writing that. Yeah. Um, I was just yeah, in I the just, packed we'll get Denver over it a airport. Hell of a lot quicker than we think, yeah. I was just in the packed Denver airport with thousands of people going through security. I think we were all thinking what a pain in the ass this is. I don't think anybody was thinking, oh, my God, I sure hope there are no terrorists. I don't think yeah. anybody had that on their mind at all. Yeah. And if, for instance, the uh, we were leaving town next week and the plumber couldn't come next week, I'd say, dude, come over. We'll open the windows. Don't worry about it. Um, already. Ted Cruz with an interesting appearance on Tucker Carlson last night. If you haven't heard that, we'll get to that at some point. Interesting. And it was cringeworthy. <laughs> New York Times with a heck of an article about the Pentagon hiding the number of civilians that we killed uh, in our various battles, speaking of terrorism. And then the the response to that, a, a conversation that definitely needs to be had and, and heard, I think. We'll have that on the way. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Um, I tweeted out this New York Times article about the Pentagon and how they have been misleading us, or our government has been misleading us, about how many civilians we've been killing through the war on terror. Uh, I want to talk about that and the reason for that. The reason we have been killing so, more, so many civilians, which got left out of the article. So, oh, boy. A heck of an interesting conversation. Well, we are an idiot, collectively. All of us, apparently. We forgot about cow. It's time to take a fond look back at the week that was. It's cow clips of the week. New year, same old problem. Every third Sunday, I drink the blood of a virgin. Bishop Desmond Tutu passed away. Inventor of the little dress you wear when you do ballerina stuff? I believe that's incorrect, but... We've allowed people to beat us down so much that all we did was wallow in COVID. When the kind of the, the hysteria gets going, you know, you'll have certain people that will go out and will just get tested all the time at some of these sites. The rest of the country probably faces a hard month ahead of us. There's no excuse. No excuse for anyone being unvaccinated. For people who are not vaccinated, lockdown rules will apply to everyone 16 and above. Antonio Brown, that's Antonio Brown without his uniform. For him to pull what he pulled today is completely inexcusable. Totally BS. And you know what? You can kiss my behind. I do not care. I don't care. Bragg will largely no longer enforce some trespass crimes, resisting arrest and sex work. Would these policies give criminals a green light? No. I mean... The process of aquamation instead of cremation. Aquamation sounds like a Joe Biden word. Or so that bad care. Aquamation. I'm going to throw something out there about 2024. What are the chances you give just a number that it'll be a rematch between Donald Trump and Joe Biden? 50%. I believe 100% that Trump is running again. I don't know what Biden's going to do yet. 
Thirty percent. Thirty percent. I'm closer to Chris than everybody else. He can't accept he lost. That was quite something. They want to make this country into a banana republic. Anytime there's a, a, a carve out, uh, you eat the whole turkey. I like having New Year's resolutions because you can just make them up as you go. Uh, sort of like the CDC rules on COVID. <laughs> Hard, working harder, hardly working. <laughs> so, sayonara, sucker. Uh, nothing from yesterday on Cal? Not the idiot Kamala Harris with her Pearl Harbor garbage? Not the angry Joe calling out Trump, who's been out of office for a year? Come on now. Come on. <laughs> Who are you mad at? I'm not <laughs> mad at anybody, but that's an egregious oversight. There's going to be a meeting. So Ted Cruz was on Tucker Carlson last night, and it's it kind of interesting. It was a... It was a Flipping the relationship between the media and politicians in a way I don't think I've ever seen, but that's coming up if you haven't heard it. How much time have I got, Michael? Oh, boy, I don't even have time to start, let alone finish. Uh, so we'll play the Tucker Carlson, Ted Cruz thing. It's uh, Well, maybe you think it's a good idea that uh, politicians now answer to media personalities this way. I don't know. It's never been that way in the past. You know what story I wanted to get to this week and, and we didn't is how the whole fact-checking thing got so big and how huh. incredibly phony it is. Oh, really? I mean, it's yeah. phonier than you think, and you think it's pretty phony. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We had some people weigh in on the conversation of, are we going to start really culturally enforcing the idea of if you have a cold, stay home, having come out of the pandemic where we realize the way things spread? Are we going to continue to let one person at your workplace with a cold give everybody a cold the way we've done it in the past? I've never been a person who thought I would stay home because of a cold or had any respect for anybody else who stayed home because of a cold. I've always thought it was kind of weak, but I'm not sure it makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting question. Um, I I suppose it depends on what you do and how important you are. and and, um, Very important. Well, clearly. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, So this uh, this is the lead up to this, so you'll have some context and this will make sense. On January 6th Eve, as Tucker Carlson called it, Worth pointing out in case you don't know it. This year. Tucker, this year. Yeah, okay. yeah, like two nights ago. Yeah. Worth pointing out that Tucker Carlson is the most, might be the most powerful voice in Republican politics. I said Republican politics, not conservative politics. Mm-hmm. But he might be the most important voice. He's certainly got a giant audience. And uh, on January 6th Eve, Wednesday night, he uh, really said some harsh things about. Ted Cruz, because Ted Cruz had referred to January 6th last year as a terrorist attack. And Tucker Carlson, um, uh, he made a documentary, and he's, he's, he's been big on the, the January 6th wasn't a very big deal, and to the extent it was a big deal, the FBI was behind it, and a bunch of different stuff. He really took offense at uh, Ted Cruz calling it a terrorist attack. Ted Cruz is planning on running for president, guarantee you. 
He finished second last time uh, behind Trump. And uh, and he knows that having the Tucker Carlson audience unhappy with him ain't good for him. Right. Which yeah. is, I think, the context for the why he would come on and um, and, uh, and 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 act this way. This is the way it went down when he when he came on. Senator Cruz was game enough to come on tonight. We appreciate that. He joins us now. Senator, thanks so much for coming on. So I guess what I, I mean, there are a lot of dumb people in the Congress. You're not one of them. I think you're smarter than I am. Uh, and you never use words carelessly. Um, and yet you called this a terror attack when by no definition was it a terror attack. That's a lie. You told that lie on purpose. And I'm wondering why you did. Well, Tucker, thank you for having me on. When you aired your episode last night, I, I sent you a text shortly thereafter and said, listen, I'd like to go on because the way I phrased things yesterday, it, it was sloppy and, and it was frankly dumb. And, I don't and buy that. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, I don't well, buy that. For, look, I've known you a long time since before you went to the Senate. You were a Supreme Court contender. You take words as seriously as any man who's ever served in the Senate. And every word you repeated that phrase, I do not believe that you used that accidentally. I just don't. So, Tucker, as a result of my sloppy phrasing, it's caused a lot of people to misunderstand what I meant. Let me tell you what what I meant to say. What I was referring to are are the limited number of people who engaged in violent attacks against police officers. Now, I think you and I both agree that if you assault a police officer, you should go to jail. That's who I was talking about. And the reason the phrasing was sloppy is I have talked dozens, if not hundreds of times, I've drawn a distinction. I wasn't saying that the thousands of peaceful protesters supporting Donald Trump are somehow terrorists. I wasn't saying the millions of, of, of patriots across the country supporting President Trump are terrorists. And that's what a lot of people have misunderstood well, that well, comment. Wait a second, focused, but even your yeah. way, but hold on, what you just said doesn't make sense. So if somebody assaults a cop, he should be charged and go to jail. I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. We have said that for years. But that person's still not a terrorist. How many people have been charged with terrorism? On January sixth, so like why'd you none, use that word? You're playing into the other side's characterization that, as Joe Kent just explained, allows them to define an entire population as foreign combatants, and you know that. So why'd you do it? So, so Tucker, let me answer you directly. The, the reason I use that word for a decade, and so it goes on I like this re- for several more minutes. Uh, but the, the 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 thing that stands out to me more than you know, should Ted Cruz have used the word terrorist or not or not? is I don't remember ever hearing a media personality talk to a U.S. senator that way, especially a high-profile U.S. senator. And Yeah, uh, you're right. That is fairly shocking. <laughs> I've never heard it, and I, I'm just, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. In general, I, I think we have treated uh, politicians too much like royalty over the years, although we have seen over the last... Half dozen, eight years or so like that, the devolving of our conversation into you're a liar, no, you're a liar, no, you're Hitler. Um, uh, and <laughs> Whoa, wait, what? <laughs> and, and I'm not sure that's helping anything, but like not that many years ago, if Tim Russert had felt that way about something a U.S. senator had said, he would have, he would have put the quote up and saying many people would consider that word an inaccurate uh, description. Explain yourself, sir. You know, that sort of thing. Not, mm-hmm. whoa, 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 that's a lie and you know it. You know, um, and, yeah, and then and then it's interesting that Ted Cruz, 
goes on and feels like he's got to grovel the way he does because if he wants the nomination, he's got to please the Tucker Carlson audience. Yeah, I could teach a semester-long college class on that conversation. Now, of course, I would offend some of the snowflakes in the room, probably on day two, and be dismissed from my university position, but I could at least begin to teach a college class on that conversation. There is so much there to unpack. Oh, my gosh. I, you know, I'm not going to get drone on and on, but I just I find it so interesting. Just one particular point. Tucker debated whether attacking a cop for political purposes was is terrorism. That's a really interesting question. And it's it's not a clear yes or no. It depends. Uh, but that's a great question. But Tucker immediately moved on from that question without addressing it on either side, really, to that empowers the other side, mm. which is so important. Because, you know, if you know, if you had like a uh, you had the uh, freeze, what's the game? The freeze tag or the freeze unfreeze game or red light, green light. That's it. That's I should remember. I watched two squid game, two (laughs) two completely different games, freeze tag and red light, green light. Although you'll agree they have some elements in common. (laughs) Enforced motionlessness as a guy who's played one or both of them in recent weeks. Yes, I know the differences. (laughs) Excellent. Anyway, so um. Uh, where was I? Uh, oh, if I could have stopped action right there, I would have said, well, whoa, Tucker, Tucker, is the assault of a peace officer by an organized group with a political purpose terrorism or isn't it? Let's discuss that, and then we can move on. Because in the Armstrong and Getty way of looking at these things is, if it's wrong for the left, it's wrong for the right. Or we're going to get escalating political violence that's going to end horrifically. Maybe with the end of the republic, I don't know. Tucker's not in that business. Um, He's an incredibly smart guy and an incredibly talented guy. And I like a lot of what he says. A lot of what he says, I think, is nuts. But... He is absolutely mostly in the business of pleasing his audience. Um, and, and so I'd love to pick that apart with him. Uh, but to get back to the general gist of the thing, uh, yeah, it is remarkable the bluntness there. And it is absolutely, oh, the, the next, uh, you know, section of my college class would be, why does Ted Cruz find it necessary to not only come on the show and 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 work with Tucker but like work very passively very submissively Ted Cruz who is brilliant and tough can beat anybody in an argument oh yeah yeah is i mean it's almost like uh he's fears violence i mean he's submissive yeah. in that conversation yeah in the era of populist politics obviously yeah it's interesting yeah um and I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. But years ago, I would have thought it was a good thing to talk to politicians that way, to, to call out lies as liars and stuff like that. But I'm not sure that it has gotten us anywhere <laughs> from the old days when we wouldn't say things like that. Yeah, only time will tell, honestly. Um, that's Again, that's a, that's a multifaceted question or a question I, with a multifaceted answer. I would say this, standing up for Fox and the right, and I point this out a lot. 
I watch a lot of cable news. I watch a lot of MSNBC. You, I don't remember the last time I saw hosts or, or, or pundits on an MSNBC show really disagree in any way. Ever. Fox has people on all the time that disagree a lot. A lot. Like, get mad at each other. The right. pundits over point of view about Republican things or, or, or just, just issues in general. And there you have, um, uh, a host on Fox calling maybe the next Republican candidate for president a liar on Fox. When does MSNBC or CNN ever take on their own like that? You I mean, you, they, they call Fox fixed news and, you know, it's fake news and this and no. it's just it's just a wing of the Republican Party. When do you on MSNBC or CNN ever take on your side the way people do on Fox regularly? And well, that's not that's just when. Well, yeah. And, and it's interesting that Tucker on an opinion show does this because, you know, um, your your America's newsroom and special report with Brett Baer are are among the fairest news uh, products available in America. Yeah, uh, Brett, for instance, Brett, Brett, Brett always has an avowed lefty on the panel and treats them respectfully and gives them plenty of time. Yeah, Brett Bear would never time. call a Brett Bear would never call a sitting senator, no matter what they said, a liar like that. Yeah, he's old school. You ask him twice, you say, "Okay, then we'll move along." With that tone of voice that shows you're full of crap, right? But but you're he does have jur- about it. But he does have journalists on regularly that disagree with each other and argue. Oh, yeah, sure. Which which we need more of uh, all the way around. But that was something Ted Cruz clearly felt like he just had to, you know, thank you, sir. May I have another? Just keep spanking me until I'm properly spanked and your viewers are happy with me again. You lying creep. (laughs) Wow, that's that's a little weird. That's a little troubling in a couple of different ways. But what did you think? Text line 415-295-KFTC. We will finish strong. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So now, to try to finish strong on a Friday after our first short week of uh, 2022 here on the Armstrong and Getty Show, uh, something I hope you'll find interesting or amusing about the autobiography I read of Miles Davis. Now, you don't need to know who Miles Davis is. Was he's dead? Uh, he was uh, maybe the greatest jazz figure in the history of uh, jazz music, trumpeter. But that doesn't really matter to this story. You've probably heard of you probably have heard of Charlie Bird Parker, um, because he has kind of become a a, a thing, a cross cultural thing. Clint Eastwood made a big movie about him, that sort of thing. Get to the point. I have a great thing on Branford Marsalis and his views on soup coming up. So stay with us. <laughs> Boy, did. Miles Davis and Winford Mounts, uh, Marcellus not get along. I didn't realize that. Sorry to hear that. I wouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> Apparently, Witten Marcellus criticized Miles' later years as not being jazz, and then they played together at some sort of festival, and, and Winton walks in, and Miles says, Oh, the jazz police are here. We better watch what we can play. And it oh, became a thing. <laughs> oh. Anyway. Meow. So, so, um. Charlie Bird Parker, if you remember the Clint Eastwood movie, horrible heroin addict. I mean, and also a musical genius. If I, time machine, I still go with Jesus and Lincoln and a bunch of other things for a time machine. But on my list would be 1947 uh, Harlem getting to watch Charlie Bird Parker 
and uh, Dizzy Gillespie invent a new musical genre known as bop, and only super musical geniuses could do it. I mean, the way it's described in the book is just amazing to me. You can't even wrap your head mathematically around what they were doing (laughs) on the fly every single day. And Charlie Parker was an actual genius, like mathematical genius, with a saxophone, but also a heroin addict starting at age like 21, and a horrible heroin addict. And he was Miles Davis's roommate for a lot of the time. And he was such a horrible heroin addict that, like, Miles Davis would go have to play a gig, and Charlie Parker would sell Miles' suit to somebody on the street to get 20 bucks to buy some heroin. And Miles would come back, and, like, he's got no clothes to wear. Or one time he even sold his horn, so he couldn't play his horn, because it's just absolutely amazing. You'd wonder why you'd have friends like this. Well, you'd think he'd heave his ass out at the first, you know, episode of that sort. Eventually he did, but had such respect for him, because he was only, like, 19 um, uh, is a musical genius and just looked up to him so much, but got wow. abused over and over again. And a lot, and it was really interesting, just about drugs and what drugs will do to people in relationships, and 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 no matter what, drugs win in the end. It was, that 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 angle of it was really fascinating. Well, yeah, you think about it for yourself. I mean, maybe you're not into jazz or whatever. I, as a musician, I I can relate to it closely enough. But what if you were roommates with one of the towering figures of your time? Maybe you've all time a a just mind-boggling genius whose name will be spoken of for decades if not centuries and he's a dick i mean (laughs) yeah or or you know a heroin addict or whatever how long do you how much patience do you what do you do that'd be that's wild well he put up with it for several years so then they had one story and this gets a little coarse i'll try to give a general view of it Miles Davis goes and gets in a cab with Charlie Parker. They're headed somewhere. And Charlie Parker's got a girl with him. He's always got a girl with him. And this, and he's eating fried chicken. So Charlie Parker's in the backseat of this cab eating fried chicken because apparently he just loved fried chicken and just couldn't stop eating. So do I. And, And he's got this woman in the back of the cab with Miles sitting right next to him, Miles Davis. And the woman is performing a sex act that Bill Clinton was familiar with. Good Lord. On Charlie Parker. While he's eating the fried chicken. And <laughs> number Davis, one. Number one. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. And they're driving across New York in terrible traffic, and it's a hot day. And Miles Davis is saying, you know, between the sound of you eating the chicken and her doing what she she's doing, and he describes it in very colorful terms, yeah. I can't hardly take this anymore. And he said, well, then roll down the window or get out of the cab if you don't like it. <laughs> I'm thinking if all that's happening to me and I got fried chicken and all, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling like I'm winning. That's quite a lifestyle. I'm good at life. (laughs) I don't want the show to be over, but I am ready to listen to the final thoughts from Armstrong again. Yeah. Yeah. You are, uh, you're right. You're, you're indulging pleasures of the flesh, which will not bring you true happiness for very long. Indeed. But right at, but right at that moment, you'd have to think, things are going pretty well for me. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap things up for the day. There he is, our technical director, Michelangelo. Michael, what's your final thought? Yeah, love the art, not the artist. There's nothing more disappointing than meeting somebody and you find out they're just not a very good person. Mm. 
Good one. Yeah, yeah. What are you going to do? Young Alex had that experience meeting us. Uh, Alex, uh, behind the <laughs> scenes, do you have a final thought for us? I just want you to unlock the news cage. I have a two-parter. Uh, one, a lot of great football coming up this weekend. I know that's not everyone's cup of tea. A lot of great games coming up this weekend. But number two, rest in peace to a legend. Sidney Poitier passed away at the age of 94 today. Yes, indeed. A fine actor and a fine fellow, by all accounts. Uh, Jack, a final thought you'd like to share? Well, my son missed a whole week of school because he had a cough, and the protocol is if you have a cough, you have to stay home until you get a clear test. You can't get a test in the modern world, so it took a whole week to get a test, and it's going to be that way in the workplace for a lot of people. It's going to be a mess for a while, people. My final thought is I am enjoying the dry January. It's good for me, and I needed to do it. However, I have substituted for alcohol kettle corn, and I have not lost a single ounce. I need to have a kettle corn free January, never mind the sauce. Wow. Someday somebody's going to write my biography. Joe Getty was such a kettle corn addict. He was once in the back of a cab with Jack Armstrong <laughs> eating kettle corn. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank. So little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com for all the hot links, all the stuff we talked about, and a lot of stuff we didn't get to. You can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. And if you ever miss a chunk of the show, either grab it wherever you like to get podcasts. It's called Armstrong and Getty On Demand, or get it at armstrongandgetty.com. I guess we have to work the whole week next week. We'll see you on Monday. God bless America. Get ready, pal. You're going to enter a problem. This is the United States of America, for God's sake. Glad bad and kept care. Grinch did not steal Christmas. Are you shitting me? Screw it. I'm leaving. Be sure to watch your language. And less tolerant of all the bull. I think that you may be over egging the pudding a bit. Do you understand? No! Oh, this is gay. Come on. Uh, you know, let's go out with a bang. Bye. Have a great Friday, you mother. Uh, Armstrong and Getty.